Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's Friday, November 30th, 2018, and you're listening to Up to Date from Inquiring Minds. I'm Andre Viscontis. And I'm Kishore Hari. Any news catch your eye this week? Uh, well, <laughs> the news in my kitchen. Uh, it's been raining, which has been a, a huge salve, of course, in the Bay Area after all of our wildfires and the air is really clean. But what happens when it rains, uh, especially for the first time in a long time, is that my kitchen becomes inundated with ants. Ants just sort of flooding in to avoid the rain. Yeah, I mean, they seem to find like the one crumb that I didn't clean up, although I do have small children, so they're not that hard to find. But yeah, and then, you know, you wake up in the morning and there's like literally thousands of ants crawling all over and it's and it's terrible and they they go away just as quickly but every time i see them i really marvel at at sort of the the social aspects of the ant colony how how organized they are cuz what you see first are these little forager ants like one or two ants you know coming here and then once they find something and they let the colony know you have this very orderly progression of ants and they take you know they find a route and they it's not not always the most direct route but they all follow that route you know because they leave little chemical um signals showing that you know showing the other ants where to go and and so they they follow these you know and and so it always um i always make fascinates me and and so this week in science one of the papers that caught my eye was about sort of this social behavior of ants, uh, one of my favorite topics. And um, this was a study between groups uh, at two different institutions, one in Austria and the other at the University of Lausanne. Uh, And again, it was published in the journal Science. And essentially what they did is they tagged thousands of ants um, with these little, like, almost they look like like little QR codes uh, on their back. So they could they could monitor them, um, you know, using uh, 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 cameras and they could sort of figure out what individual ants were doing because that's got to be, you know, difficult, right? Telling one totally. ant. Totally. They all look the same. They all, they all look the same. Um, so they had these like, you can imagine like these little ants with little backpacks that have like a QR code uh, that can be read by their cameras. And of course, what they found was that there are different uh, jobs for different ants and that ants kind of live in cliques. So, um, you know, there are the forager ants and then then there are what they call the nurse ants. Uh, so these are, you know, ants that look after the brood at the center of the colony. Uh, they're usually younger, uh, and and sort of they they sort of take care of of in, of things inside the colony. And then as they get older, they could become um, worker ants. Um, and then of course there are these lone foragers that you know that go outside and, and collect the food. And what I found really interesting about the study is that they kind of mimicked conditions in which humans are more and more likely to find themselves. And, and it reminded me of, of what's been happening with the wildfires in California, where all of a sudden people who have lost their homes now have to live together in shelters and in in, in, in environments in which a lot of people bring together. And and so one of the saddest aspects or one of the, you know, difficult 
things about these wildfires was that there was an outbreak of norovirus very soon after the wildfires devastated Paradise, California. Um, so, you know, it's like adding insult to injury. You have these people who have lost their homes. They've lost their, you know, some of their friends and family. And then there's this breakout of infectious diseases where they are staying. So the, the authors of the study actually mimicked those conditions by um, taking a fungus and exposing or exposing ants, forager ants, about 10% of them, to the spores of this fungus. Um, and this fungus is easily you know, um, transmittable. And then they watched what happened. What do you think happened? I would think the, the nurse ants, as you called them, w- would come out and maybe isolate them, quarantine them. Am I giving them too much credit for well... their intelligence? <laughs> I mean, you're giving them a little bit too much credit. But what what happens in this case is that um, it seems that I mean, may, I mean, maybe that's sort of, um, you know, down the line, something part of it. But but what happened is that um, the cliques became more isolated. So foragers interacted more with foragers and less with the nurses and nurses interacted more with nurses and less with the foragers. Um, and and this happens to the whole colony. Uh, which is kind of interesting because you, when you think about the colony as being particularly intelligent, but any single ant being, you know, not intelligent, it's, uh, you know, it's it's emergence, right? It's, it's how the colony can be smart, even though the individuals in it are, are you know, arguably stupid. Um, and so it kind of just just has this, this whole effect. And uh, because they change the way that they interact, the, the, the transfer patterns of the spores uh, also changed. So that meant that only a few individuals received a dose of the spores that was uh, high enough to actually cause them to, to get really sick. Um, but that, you know, otherwise the, the immune systems uh, of the, you know, as a sp- if there's just a little bit of the spore uh, spread across, you know, a large number of, of ants, then their immune systems can actually uh, get rid of it. So to me, it was just really interesting sort of to see this kind of emergent behavior come out and, you know, maybe tell us something about how we should be treating uh, disease outbreaks in places in which a lot of humans find each other um, in, a, in a very short period of time. It, it sort of um, it just underscores the complexity of communication that's happening, too, with not that many sort of there's no language here. It's all sort of chemical, um, uh, chemically based. So it just underscores how this simple information can lead to this uh, really intensely complex behavior. Yeah, and it, you know, to me, it's 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 also indicative of something something really profound about humanity. Like, how does consciousness emerge from uh, you know billions of brain cells that just have kind of an on-off switch? And you know, here you have highly complex behavior uh, changing in a colony of ants, which you know can give you, and that's just just one small clue as to how that might happen. So maybe you'll have renewed. Uh, appreciation for those ants that invade your house every time. <laughs> I mean, break. I still want them out, but I certainly uh, uh, might might watch. Maybe maybe I'll do some of my own little uh, at home experiments and and see if I don't know if I want to infect them with fungus. <laughs> but uh, maybe I can see if I can alter the behavior of the colony by you know doing some other kind of little behavioral experiments. Today's episode is sponsored by Madison Reed. In 2013, Amy Arrett founded Madison Reed. Named after her daughter, the company's on a mission to revolutionize the way women color their hair. My wife has been using Madison Reed for years. She loves getting salon quality hair color for a fraction of the price. And it comes in these 
beautifully designed kits that make it easy to apply and clean up. No mess, no fuss. Experience beautiful, multi-dimensional hair color made in Italy, delivered to your door on your schedule for under $25. Join the hundreds of thousands of women who have tried and loved Madison Reed. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Madison Reed would like to honor Inquiring Minds listeners with 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with promo code MINDS. That's code M-I-N-D-S. I'm going to take us from ants and understanding the emergent properties directly into the human brain, because sort of, a, I think, a big deal study dropped right before Thanksgiving. Uh, and oftentimes when uh, scientific papers come out at that time of year, uh, they sort of get lost in the shuffle. Uh, you might recall I had a conversation with Carl Zimmer a few months ago, and one of the things that came out, and I think this came out in your interview with David Quammen as well, is that not all cells in our body have the same DNA in it. Our genome sort of like changes between these cells. And that's no different in our neurons too, which is a weird thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. But it kind of makes sense if you think about, you know, cells dividing and, and sort of random mutations happening. You know, the idea of like billions and billions and billions of cells as they, you know, get created to have the exact same signature, you know, that almost seems implausible. True, but we expect that variation to be relatively minimal in some way because there are ways to sort of correct that. But this this sort of genomic reshuffling, which is called somatic recombination, results in neurons that can be pretty dramatically different from each other. And a, a group of neuroscientists um, looked for this. Uh, Gerald Chun was the lead scientist on this study who analyzed neurons from six healthy elderly people and seven who had some sort of non-genetic variant of Alzheimer's diseases to understand sort of how much of this shuffling, this genomic shuffling was happening. And their new paper that came out in Nature uh, last week showed that uh, they found some variants in something called the APP gene, which is an often studied gene because it has been pointed to a link between that gene and the development of plaque that's related to Alzheimer's. Yeah, sure. So so APP is amyloid precursor protein. Uh, and essentially, it's it leads to uh, amyloid, which is a protein that the that the body produces normally and, you know, is 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 uh, used by the brain. And but there is a, a protein fragment called beta amyloid that can be snipped from the protein. And in a healthy brain, actually, often th during sleep, uh, these protein fragments are broken down and eliminated and not in any means, not, not by any means dangerous. But in Alzheimer's disease, they begin to accumulate because they're, they're for some reason not eliminated. And, and we think maybe sleep might be one of the reasons uh, because sleep disturbances are a hallmark of Alzheimer's disease. And they then begin to build up into the brain. And when they build up, they form these hard, insoluble plaques. Um, so imagine these kind of just like, um, you know, little little kind of hard, hard balls <laughs> that are kind of like gathering up in your brain. So we always thought, or I think the common thought is that there's a few variants of APP gene. And so just like with this genomic shuffling, like some of that genomic shuffling is centered in this one gene. And that gene, the variation in that gene 
may have some link to the development of Alzheimer's. Well, when Chun and his colleagues looked at this, they didn't find one or two variants. They found thousands of variants in the APP gene, uh, so much so that they found a profound difference between the amount of of varieties of the APP gene between the Alzheimer's patients and the quote unquote healthy patients. Uh, The difference was almost a factor of six, uh, which is a massive factor of difference. And while we think like the variations in the, in this APP gene is not just sort of deleterious, it has positive effects. You know, it could enable us to have uh, different, uh, different methods for learning and memory and all these other things that aren't well studied yet, but it could have these benefits, but having, that much sort of shuffling going on in people could be resulting in sort of the accumulation of uh, of this plaque over time. And that's sort of like it, like a, a really bizarre set that the these differences between neurons, which have benefits to us. Also, if it gets out of hand, could be one of the reasons we're seeing a spike in Alzheimer's. And so understanding that process that the shuffling is happening, leading to specifically the variance in APP is kind of an interesting area of study. But to see a factor of six difference between healthy and Alzheimer's patients, I think was a surprising finding. Yeah, I mean, I think and it speaks to why it's been so difficult to find uh, a cure or even a treatment for this disease. You know, it, it goes to show you that that perhaps, you know, there are multiple p- routes to the same endpoint. And that's why it's been, you know, people people have known about beta amyloid and, and, you know, these changes in the brain for decades. And you'd think, well, you know, if we know kind of the what what an Alzheimer's brain looks like? Can't we just you know fix it so that that doesn't happen? And and this just speaks to why how why that is such a complicated problem to solve and why it's been so difficult for scientists to solve it. This study is going to further look at um, or this group of scientists from this study are further going to look at reverse transcriptase, which is the enzyme that makes the copy from the DNA and RNA uh, around this APP gene. And so they're trying to understand how this enzyme is making essentially, quote unquote, bad copies that is resulting in so many of these variants of APP emerging and seeing if there's any ways to potentially even block this enzyme or regulate in some way to slow the amount of variants that are coming for people that uh, that might either either be prone or in the early stages of developing Alzheimer's disease. Like you said, this is an incredibly complicated situation. There's never going to be, you know, one drug that solves it all. But as we saw with HIV, a cocktail of drugs ended up working out to stem the tide with that disease. Now, I'm not saying HIV and Alzheimer's are related, um, but potentially this could be a piece of a larger treatment regimen that could work. Well, hopefully we're getting closer and closer. So that's it for Up to Date for this week. Uh, We'll be back with another episode on Monday. See you next week and have a good weekend. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.